Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight it's the Ghoul Geek Keith film pick of the week, and he has chosen Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright. I fucking am so excited to talk about this movie. So 10 o'clock hour can't come fast enough for me, but we'll get there, guys. We'll get there because we've got horror news to talk about, a whole lot of other things. But before all that, you know what I do, introducing the boys. First and foremost, the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on tonight? Welcome back, and thank you very much for the pick that we're going to discuss later on in the show. And we're also joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Amores Day. Yes, get funky with it, monkey. Yes, but we ain't getting funky this week. No, so we are getting scandalous as we go into the sexy swinging 60s of Soho streaming. That's right. That's what we are going to do. We ain't getting funky. We are getting sexy and we are getting scandalous because that is what we do. But, yes, for the next two hours, pop in those earbuds because we will be coming in your ears with the latest horror and nerd news and movie reviews because we are talking terror. That's what makes us the baddest motherfucking horror podcast in all. All of the motherfucking land. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Listen on Blog Talk. You know what? It really doesn't fucking like a bad taste of scabies. We are everywhere, baby. What's up, Pride Family? Wow. You know what? I wonder how much coke there was in the 60s, and Monkey did it all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he's off at the Rialto doing rails off of the dancers and just dancing around to the last night in Soho. I mean, he just got into the spirit of the show, and I appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, any, anything just to drown out the sound of <laughs> just some of the shit that was on the soundtrack. Because, you know, if I got to hear downtown one more time, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, but you can't mess up Petula Clark. I mean, come on. That's like fucking great track and Undertale and Joy. I mean, we will talk about it, but come on. I mean, you know, I'll take it back to the Rialto. Sit you down. We'll have a Vesper. We'll talk to some Teddy boys, and it'll be fine. And you'll be like, you know, I'm like, it's a pretty good fucking song. And I'm like, I know it is, dude. Like, you fucking doubted me, Petula Clark, downtown? And, oh, it is. Hey, all right. Like, yeah, I know. I told you. It's just not my jam, baby. <laughs> oh, we know how you jam, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah must be late. <laughs> hey, there he is, and welcome to the demonic Dean joining us for our episode. Hello there, sir. I feel like I, I feel like I stepped into the ninety-minute mark of the episode. What happened? <laughs> yeah, we're, just, we're breaking up the British early, so yeah, breaking up the accents early for the show. We just had our Wrong cocaine-fueled one. intro by the monkey. All right, all right, all right, Juggy. <laughs> Bloody yeah, lovely. A little, a little fun. <laughs> oh, my lovelies. <laughs> yes, but thank you, Dean, because you're going to be hearing a lot of that later on, I'm sure. So just get used to it now. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, can, I can hardly sit still. 
I know. I can't wait to talk about the fucking news. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. So you just you take a back seat, darling. We'll take care of the show for you after the ten o'clock hour. <laughs> but uh, now that we're all yeah. here, we're all ready to go. Yep, it is. It is time for the the Dean segment, horror news behind the horror desk. Uh, what are we talking about this week? What's going on? All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm opening the docket. Apparently. <laughs> no, my my I don't know what was happening, but my 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 audible audio uh, cut out for a moment, so I didn't hear what you said. But I'm as I was about to say, I'm opening the docket as we speak uh, to get to you know. The, Open up that jacket. The very important things that I know we can hardly wait to talk about. But uh, hear ye, hear ye, for those of you here on January first, January twelfth, Dean has the floor. Yes, let's get the well, let's right. get the, the, the nerd shit out of the way. So uh, because <laughs> um, something called Morbius uh, has experienced uh, many uh, pandemic delays, it uh, by Sony has made the decision to to delay Morbius once again, uh, again. to uh, April first, twenty twenty two, and in place oh. of the fact that I guess it was maybe supposed to come out really soon, uh, they are sending Venom two uh, back into the movie theaters uh, what? this Friday the fourteenth. Uh, Venom two is returning to the movie theater. Um, <laughs> they say based on the successes of uh, Spider-Man, uh, they decided to put Venom 2 back in, being that already has pulled in over $500 million. Uh, so for whatever uh, reasons that they have, they have pushed off Morbius and are going to, to continue with another screening of, of Venom 2. So has everyone seen Venom's, Venom 2 or no? Not I. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Then never mind. <laughs> oh, you can. Oh, please oh, talk freely. Really, it doesn't matter for Dean. He he doesn't give a shit about the, no. uh, the Spider Verse. He doesn't give a shit. Talk freely. But because I because I wanted to ask you, Ghoul, uh, just about the end scene. So, do you think possibly that was like supposed to be further expansion into the Spider Verse, and possibly it got nixed because of the latest Spider Man movie? Well. Did you you've seen the latest Spider-Man movie, correct? Not yet. So, so oh, okay. I, I okay, I got what you're saying. All right. <laughs> I I can't with you Who? people. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it. You'll enjoy it, monkey. No way home's great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, just, I, I I totally intend to. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Personally, yeah. I think the whole thing is just—it's just fucking horseshit. Morbius is finished, so I don't know about all kinds of fucking <laughs> yeah. delays and all this and all that. By supposing to be released soon, Dean, it was supposed to come out like next week. Um, yep. So yes, it was. Being that they, being that they decided to like literally change this up like about a week maybe ago, week and a half tops. 
Uh, might have been just before New Year's, but I do remember the, the, the delay coming up. I think that has more to do with the success of No Way Home, um, raking in over a billion dollars at this point, uh, making it the most successful Sony movie, uh, putting it up yeah. there with the, uh, the higher echelon of Marvel Cinematic Universe films. And, yeah, why not capitalize on, on the fact that they did put Venom in theaters, you know, and it... It did all right money, but it didn't make the kind of money that I think they wanted to. So I think they're going to try to stretch out on the whole thing and maybe see if they can get some of the people that went to go out to the theater to see No Way Home. Maybe they feel safer now because they saw No Way Home, and maybe now they'll go to the theater and see Venom 2. I don't know. I saw I saw Venom 2 in the theater, but I also now own Venom 2 on digital. So it's kind of stupid to put it back in the theater because I'm not fucking going to see it. And I don't think anybody else that has access to any digital media are going to fucking be like, oh, man, Venom 2's back in the theater. I'm so going there now. <laughs> exactly. Man. Unless they want the theater experience and to sit in a theater and they didn't get to see it the first round, why not? I mean, you know, I saw it in the theater, so I got that experience. I don't need to see it again. But there might be some people out there that didn't get to go see it in the theater that are like, yeah, dude, like, let's go. Like, now's our chance. I think the big... I think the bigger problem is, is upon seeing No Way Home first, why would you be excited to go see Venom 2? Because really the most exciting yeah. part of Venom 2 was, was that end <laughs> sequence. And, yeah, well, that, again, true. I don't want to spoil anything for Monkey, even though we're, like, fucking a month out since No Way Home's come out and he still hasn't gone and seen it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how Monkey is. Just steal the damn thing already, Monkey. I know you want to. I already tried. There's no good copies yet. <laughs> uh, oh, well, don't say that. Just go to the theater. <laughs> Take one for the team. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go again. I'm, 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 there's there's plans. <laughs> I, I got kids. I got ten kids, ghoul. Yes, you do. I and got job five and all that kids stuff. to feed. I thought you said four. <laughs> oh, shit. You got me. I ain't even married. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm, I'll be in the theaters again this weekend to see Scream, so there you go. Well, I'll make a theater trip. It's not to go see Venom 2, but I'll salute them as they put it back in theaters. It was a fun time. <laughs> so, what else oh, you got, glory, brother? Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, glory, hallelujah. So, yeah. we know that, speaking of the fact that you say it's going to be a scream this Friday, uh, you know, the, the early bugs uh, uh, <laughs> surrounding uh, scream uh, is in, and, uh, you know, I did not read any uh, reviews of any kind, but I saw buzzwords such as brutal, bloody, and fun, and positive. So, hmm. uh, apparently the early is that but you know if you feel the need to immerse yourself in the world of scream you can head on over to survivescreamhouse.com and take part in an interactive choose your own adventure game uh it's a 360 360 degree uh game where you get to explore the original Scream house and try not to get killed by Ghostface, uh, you will be able to uh, look for hidden Easter eggs as well as participate 
uh, in answering franchise trivia questions. Uh, so that okay, is up and running now. If that sounds like fun to you, uh, head on over mm-hmm. to SurviveScreamHouse.com. We're totally Can doing that survive? next Friday, King. We're totally no, doing yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. I lasted about uh, have so, six minutes. Have, have so much fun. <laughs> ah, so King's going to get stuck can... in a garage door. <laughs> yeah, I, I made it six minutes, so I'd like to see if I could beat my <laughs> Get a little bit longer. But it is, it I is just a fun game. The... Worth checking out. I just want to see the king's titties in a sweater in a in a turtleneck. <laughs> I do know how to fill out a sweater pretty well. It's pretty cold around here. Puppies. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Did somebody say there's a party? Especially that skirt. Oh yeah, I can make it look good. And those little white boots. Pow. That's just how. That's just how I spend my Saturday nights. Looking in the mirror, go, oh man, look at you, Tatum. Mm. Tate yums, am I right? <laughs> yums? All X-Fuck, X-Fuck, X-Fuck. <laughs> I'm going to go get my head stuck in a garage door now. Bye. <laughs> Have fun. Please don't do anything. Please don't do anything to my rear end while I'm stuck in that door. Oh, no. Wink, wink, nod, nod. What are you doing back there, Ghostface? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's the triple X parody. Sorry, not the actual screen. Scream triple X. This oh, isn't Scream. Good. This is a porn parody. I love, I love the ones that are <laughs> named that. You know what I mean? Like, Max. oh yeah. Thank you, Wood Rocket. I salute you. Gotta love fucking. Gotta love legality. You know what I mean? As far as like names and shit like that go. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're great budgets, but all right, Dean. Uh, what, what's next? It has come to my attention that the upcoming uh, Blumhouse uh, remake of Firestarter, uh, directed by the Vigil director Keith Thomas, uh, has been shot and cut, uh, and apparently is ready. Uh, there is no release date at this time, but uh, the director uh, Keith Thomas says that this, uh, one, that this Firestarter is going to be rated R, uh, but he also said that it has everything that you could want with something called Firestarter, including people's heads catching on fire and people's faces melting off. So uh, (laughs) it will remain to be seen. It it remains to be seen if the story... (laughs) Uh, will be enough to, you know, keep your attention in between the face melting. Uh, but at least we have been told there will be heads on fire and faces melting off. So we shall see. Sure. Uh, but Firestarter fire fire remake from Blumhouse. There is no torch. <laughs> Just got to give you a barf bag when you go in. Bring it old school. Get your ticket, get a barf bag. Get ready to see some faces fucking melt. Fucking, Melt okay. some faces. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm looking like forward to it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make it a hard R. You know, earn that R. I want to see it. So tired of these PG-13 slashers. You know, give me a yeah, nice hard Yeah, no doubt, R. man. Yeah, because <laughs> Firestarter isn't a slasher. Yeah, Firestarter's no, not a slasher. I'm... It's more like a, you know, like a sci-fi kind of thing. Like, I don't know if I, I would say a slasher. 
It's called a fucking example, people. (laughs) It's called using an example. That's what I did. Your example. Like, hey, look at all these horror movies. Like, no, I thought it was apt. I thought it was apt. I thought it was fine. Listen, what if I'm going to stick with that one? What if somebody was listening, right, and they're like, "Hey, I'm going to go check out that fucking cool slasher film, Firestarter," and then they watch it and they're like, "Hey, this isn't a fucking slasher. Those guys are talking terror. Suck. I'm never fucking listening to those jerk offs again." Or even worse, they go to school without seeing the movie and they're like, "Yeah, the best slasher film ever is Firestarter," and then they're like ridiculed and mocked in school, and then that becomes an issue. You know, and, and they hurt themselves or something else happens. That That's bad. And then we're liable. You know what I mean? All because fucking well, the king no. wants to say that Firestarter is a slasher in his example. Problems? Not really. No, because you know what's going to happen <laughs> to that fucking kid? He's going to get so fucking angry, he's going to join Cobra Kai, and then he's going to be kicking everybody in the goddamn face. He's like, what do you think of me now, bitch? Yeah, say Firestarter is a slasher. I learned karate because of this shit. Lesson learned. <laughs> Don't I know the 80s told us differently, but guess what? We don't need fucking karate as much as they told us we did. Oh, you know, you'd be surprised no. how much you need it, because when you fucking make it a bad example, you got to start kicking some heads in. Like, listen, it was an example. Nah, Get nah, over nah. it. Kick the head. You know, unless you were in the age range of, like, 8 to 13 between, like, I don't know, 1984 and 1990, uh, Basically, Which everything that we were consuming in every direction, uh, basically, karate. Uh, you know, filled your head with the idea that you were going to need karate a lot more in life than you actually did. <laughs> Fucking ninjas were going to attack at some point. Fucking yeah. Japan was going to invade the United States in a fucking revenge thing I... from, like, World War Two. There was all kinds of crazy shit going on. It's don't a, forget it's the a strange Russians, thing. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. forget the Russians were going to invade our schools. This you know, yeah, the, the Russians and I just honestly thought there was going to be a lot more BMX races and skateboarding competitions and popping them lock in and karate. You know, the fucking movies really gave me a warped view of what the world was going to be like. I was like, what do you, what do you mean there's no fucking BMX fucking rivalries on this town? This town sucks. Not even one dojo. Like, not one. Can't they build one? Okay. I mean, come on. And you can't say sh- you can't say shit about the skateboarding because until until the church behind your house fucking cock blocked the skaters, there was skateboarding all over <laughs> that fucking parking lot behind your apartment. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking 2020. No, I'm talking about like the 80s and 90s when it was like you put a backwards hat on, and all of a sudden you could do kickflips. You didn't even know how you could do it. You just did it because you watched a movie and they did it, and all of a sudden you're like fucking kickflipping and you're doing ollies and shit like that. Yeah, no, you didn't say any of that. It's not when I was. Hell up. yeah, but. Palparolta, search for animal chin. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you know, my town, there wasn't a single dojo. Not even one. Not even one I could just kind of casually walk in and then get laughed out of and then just start my own karate league. No, it didn't happen. But you know what? The movies showed me that it could. That's all that matters. Hey, man, your town, what are you talking about, man? Your town, had a, your town had a dojo, bro, because that shit was there when fucking... I was fucking hanging out with fucking Taz and shit. He had been doing Taekwondo for quite some time by that point. Oh, see, I missed out. No. Yeah, well, I grew up in a trailer park. I mean, there wasn't really much around. I mean, I didn't go to Yorktown very much. I mean, there wasn't a big radius I was allowed to go to. You know, it's like, you go down to the Wawa. They didn't have a dojo. They had a pizzeria, though. Pretty fucking cool. That was a good one. It wasn't a dojo. I just wanted and, to eat pizza and people that. And then you had the store where you could get the turtle pie. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Right next to Janeway. 
get those teenagers into turtle fucking pies and fucking hang out, go to the two dollar theater. Oh hell yeah, dude. It's fucking great. It's time to be alive. But no, it's it's <laughs> over, unfortunately. We live in a much more modern time. Unfortunately. It's much sad. more modern and, time. You know, because because karate was sold into her practice in the eighties. It was a different time back then. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we don't live in, in karate town, like in Cobra Kai. Where it's like a fucking much bigger issue. Where it's like you have to have like conferences about it. Like I wanna live in that town. Like I wanna to go to a conference where it's like, dude, karate is fucking outrageous and it's becoming an issue. We need to talk about it. Like I wanna live in that town. You know, I know Monkey hasn't seen season four and you know, that's uh not yet. it's akin to like me it's akin to me not finishing fucking season two of the boys still. Um but I do have to say I don't know, I don't I'm I'm, well, I'm I don't know that that's a, a, a suitable analogy. Well, I'm watching it this weekend. I'm watching season four this weekend. So am I. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish Again. season two, finally. I promise. Uh, I've only made that promise like 18 times at this point. But, but my point is sure? just that uh, I have. I actually have said it a, a number of times. I just never get to it. I don't know why. Uh, I really okay. did appreciate this particular season's constant joke of the people that fucking live in the town and them just it was like almost breaking the fourth wall a number of times of like just <laughs> yeah. how ridiculous the fucking level of like karate issues that were coming up in this fucking small California town it was so much an issue it was just a groundbreaking issue where it's like even at the school they're like there's so many fucking roundhouses going on we don't even have a science lab anymore like, holy shit, karate's a big fucking problem. <laughs> they should just fucking, you know, do footloose and just ban karate. No more karate in this town. If I, I even see one five. fucking high eye, you're going to jail. Say goodbye to the old Valley tournament. Oh. Well, we know we got the big Chuck Norris. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, monkey. Oh, yeah, I know. That was a fucking big one. I couldn't believe that they did that. Such a great cameo. Episode, mm-hmm. I think, 11. Show Kasugi show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want Billy to show I, up. No. Ultra, I just want Ultra Billy Man. Blanks to show up. I want Billy Blanks to show up. <laughs> no, maybe season five he'll show up, because they paid a lot to have Joe Piscopo and, and Chuck Norris show up. That was a big part of the project. <laughs> What was it? No, Quicksilver? What was the name of that fucking movie theme? Was it, was it Quicksilver Showdown. with fucking Billy Blanks? Showdown. Yeah, yeah Showdown. Showdown. I thought I was talking about Showdown, where they actually There's make jokes about Karate though. Kid. What's that? Uh, quick Sump. There was another Billy Blanks movie that we used to watch. He had, like, amnesia or some shit. And he kept, like, <laughs> like what, it was, like, the Quick Something. And, like, he would go through these moments where, like, he would be, like, starting to get his memory. And he'd be, like, Quick and like he'd like be trying to say whatever the fucking name of the movie is because it was like his code name or some shit. We we watched this. Yeah. <laughs> Who else did I fucking watch? Oh, really black what, was, it, was it? Was it Tuck and Deadly? No. No, I don't think that was it. What? 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 Tough and Deadly, where he was the uh, CIA agent Quicksilver. Tough and deadly. <laughs> no. 
that sounds like a Billy Blanks movie. I'll just, I'll just say it. that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. That sounds like a Tybo Billy Blanks movie. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> Deadly that's Strange it, video it. from 1995. Uh, well, there you go. Billy Blanks uh, plays uh, an agent uh, named John Portland, a CIA agent who suffers amnesia. Uh, this, this sounds. I, I don't. This doesn't this sound sounds, familiar to me at all, man. Exactly I don't know if you were watching like this fucking movie. But this had a totally With Billy Blank, game, man. Billy Blanks and Roddy Piper. Whoa, shit! Yeah, Piper. Okay, Billy well, Blanks yeah, and movie. Roddy Piper were the two leads. Oh, oh! All of a sudden, the king's on board. He's like, oh wait, wait, Piper's in this. Oh, this movie could be awesome. Well, <laughs> I watch anything Piper's in. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The best in the business. But all right. He'll, he'll, for, he'll forever be Billy Cole. <laughs> Billy Cole, last Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. Lose fucking yeah, brains out bitch. on the field. <laughs> all right, so what else do you have next, Dean? Uh, so, uh, not long ago there was news about how uh, John Krasinski's hand-picked director for the third film in the Quiet Place series, Jeff Nichols, had removed himself uh, from the project. And it's mm-hmm. now been announced that uh, Pigs, uh, Michael Sarnowski, Sansky, uh, sorry, I write in chicken scratch and can't always make out my, my words, Michael Sansky yeah. has been hired to helm the third film in the Quiet Place uh, universe. And uh, he, he will also work from, to, you know, develop the script from Krasinski's idea uh, that this, this film is also not a sequel, uh, but a spin-off that will be taking place in the same world of Quiet Place 1 and 2. Uh, it's not out of the question that characters uh, from the first two films appear in some fashion, uh, but apparently they will not be the main focus. Okay. Okay. I only saw the first one. I didn't see the second. Kind of tapped out. I'm in the same boat as you, King. Same boat. Same boat. Yeah. I mean, but it it warrants a spinoff, I guess. So they must be making money. Somebody's watching these movies. And that guy's a great director. I love Pig. But something must be wrong if they can't keep directors, man. Well, John uh, Krasinski must be a diva or something. Must be it. That's his project. (laughs) Like, I was Jim on the office, motherfucker. Like, okay, sir. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable on the set anymore. I work with Steve Carell, bitch. I'm an actor. I was also that guy on that Hulu series. Like, oh, yeah, you were. Okay. <laughs> In the Tom Clancy series. Okay. I can't remember what the name was. Jack something. But, yeah, he was, he was a CIA operative. He went from the office to that. Jack Ryan. Oh, oh Jack, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Now nah, it was close. I was going to say Jack Carter, but I think it's completely something else. I don't know who that is. <laughs> John, Car- right, John Carter to- from Mars. <laughs> John oh, Carter yeah, from Mars. Yeah, so, 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 Ghoul, you, you have to be mistaken. I'm going to read this. I'm going to just rewind a little bit and re- read this quick description because I don't recall watching this with you or anyone else. But uh, here we go. Hmm. Uh, I just had to know, so we have it this back to Billy, Billy Blake, CIA Blake. agent. So maybe I might have watched it with you then. 
right, CIA agent Quicksilver is attacked while meeting with drugs baron and taken captive oh, by a That is the movie. He manages to escape <laughs> from them and is taken to the hospital where bail bondsman Elmo Freach, played by Roddy Piper, suspects he might be on the run and takes his prints Elmo. only to discover that the John Doe <laughs> has no known identity. Uh, when Freach discovers a man trying to kill yeah. Quicksilver, he spirits the agent out of the hospital and to his detective office. Doped up by his captors, Quicksilver has no knowledge of his past, and Freach dubs him John Portland. But the CIA are trying to track down their missing agent, and Freach is making enemies with a local crime lord who might have higher connections. Elmo Freach. That, that is Elmo. the film, and, but what I'm going to say is that movie, even though it doesn't say it, I, and I mean, I looked it up. I looked it on IMDb, IMDb, all that shit. It doesn't say it anywhere else. That movie has another name, and that goes by the name Quicksilver. That's the name that I know that movie by. And that's because that's the agent's name. That's Billy Blanks' character's, like, code name or whatever it is. And like I said, like, his acting, and I say that with quotations, is him at times, like, having trouble, like, regaining his memory and, like, stuttering through the word trying to say Quicksilver. Except, like, he keeps, like, saying, he'll say, like, quick, quick, quick strike, quick, quick quick this like he says different things with it every time he never fucking says quicksilver but the pain on his face as he's trying to remember this is just fucking it, it's acting extraordinaire <laughs> i bet it is <laughs> oh man the movie to add to the list Billy blanks is out there somewhere going yeah check it out guys it's a great one <laughs> maybe is that is he still alive i don't even know yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, because he disappeared after a while. Like that Tybo thing didn't really get over enough, so he's like, ah, whatever, guys. Maybe oh, he made a shit ton of so money I... on Tybo, bro. Yeah, dude, yeah, Tybo dude, was yeah, yeah. For quite he's some time. Hanging with margaritas and senoritas for the rest of his life from that Tybo money. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, that was yeah. like the, and then I... like one of that was one of those last major 90s. things before you can see. And yeah, that was actually probably even older than that. But one of those last major things before you can like, watch any of that shit on the internet. It was, like, before yep. the whole, like, C90X stuff, uh, where you, like, had to get a DVD package. Uh, you couldn't, like, mm-hmm. have a streaming package and watch it all. Uh, he moved uh, millions of copies of that shit. I bet right now that you could probably go into, like, garage sales and flea markets and find that shit on VHS and DVD, like, for, like, 10 cents. But, like, he made a fortune with that stuff. <laughs> I know my... Fo- I know my former sister-in-law had it, so yeah. <laughs> and I was just I, sitting on the couch a drinking a beer that. going, <laughs> I just I enjoyed sat on the couch drinking beer. I was like, yeah, you girls go at it. Have fun. <laughs> Nothing wrong with no that. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> you ain't going to be no king of the kickboxes. <laughs> yeah, it's just aggressive punching and kicking right next to Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies. It says that... Uh, Ty Bo sold more than 1.5 million VHS tapes in its first year of release alone, generating $80 million in sales, and that to date, Ty Bo has generated over $150 million in total revenue. So, Good for him. I think yeah, that, that Billy Blanks is doing doing just fine. Doing just and fine. residual unless effects it, from Tough and Deadly. Yeah. <laughs> unless he spent it all on blow. <laughs> that could be it, too. That's why we don't hear from him anymore. Just went total fucking cocaine no. madness. Well, well, at least he's not doing Tostitos commercials like you know who Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> hey, but that's probably good money. 
you know, got to get into those national chains. Yeah, that's why, you know, you see Shaquille O'Neal pumping out fucking general commercials and oh, man. Icy Shaquille Hot and Papa John's. Such a fucking slut. <laughs> hey, you can't hate the game, man. He's raking in the paychecks. <laughs> I'd put my arm around an animated general if I was going to get a good paycheck. <sighs> Man, like, and there's, like, a, some event where he was, like, actually DJing at the event and all that kind of shit, and his background was just straight up the general, you know? <laughs> at least at least he's not trying to legitimately act anymore, you know what I mean? We're not trying to do yeah. movies. Like, you know, other than him coming in for, like, a quick cameo and something, like, I don't want to see fucking, like, actual Shaquille O'Neal movies, man. They were fucking, he was bad. You know, do can't oh, hit no, that's like why horrible. We, we get... We get it. Neon food throw. <laughs> I mean, he was. I mean, I liked him in Blue Chips. I mean, that was a good movie because all he had to do was play fucking basketball. Like, do your job. That's it. And uh, just kind of casually acting. Shaquille O'Neal was Shaquille O'Neal. That was like right at the very beginning of the whole Shaq yeah. thing, man. That was, like, was kind of. That was a lot of people's intros to Shaq. You know that him and Penny Hardaway in that film, man. Yeah, yeah. with Nick Nolte, dude. It's a great film. Yeah, that was a great fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's when he was getting started. Then, of course, his cameo in Good Burger. Can't forget that. You know, I mean, he's still getting residual checks for that. That was a Good Burger. <laughs> good Burger. Thank you, Shaq. Can I, can I take Here's your, your order, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So what's next? What do you got? Uh, there's been a final and a final final and a final 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 final. Uh, but Final <laughs> Destination 6 uh, is, is a go. Who will be the final one? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, they kind of shook this, shot themselves in the in the foot with that title because they, they, there's been times when they've said it's the final, final, final one. But anyway, uh, Final Destination yeah. Six is coming uh, from New Line Cinema, uh, and it will be uh, made exclusively for HBO Max. Uh, Lori cool. Evans Taylor and uh, Greg uh, Bosick, uh, Greg Bosick, who co-wrote the <laughs> A scream film that debuts in two days uh, are writing the script uh, based on a treatment written by John Watts, who directed uh, Spider-Man Homecoming as well Spider-Man. as a bunch of other Spider-Man films. Uh, there is uh, no release date at this time, but if you are a fan of this franchise, uh, you you have something to look forward to. Uh, whether it is truly going to be the final final destination, uh, that remains to be seen. No, well, they they call part cares. four the final destination. It does, does it does it ever really ha- was well, the the final destination? That's all. Um, but that was part considering four. Considering that yeah. they 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 both you know they put everything in a yeah, but I don't think they they did that with the intention <laughs> of it being the real final one. I kind of felt like they did that with the fifth movie. Um, if you remember the, yeah. the final destination, yep. the whole big gimmick with that movie and why it's fucking like the worst one to go back to, everything with that movie was made for 3D. So when you yeah, watch was, that yeah. movie now, it's, it's kind of like watching Friday the 13th Part 3, um, except mm-hmm. not good. Uh, everything's super mm-hmm. digital. Except- everything's, everything's in your fucking I don't know, face. Dude. It's, it, what, what, what don't you know? The, the, no, I'm saying, man, that NAS, the, the NASCAR track was awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> you love NASCAR. Yeah, except for all the 
Yeah, and the digital shit, and it was terrible, though. You know what I mean? Like, don't was, get me wrong. Obviously, I know people are fucking dying on roller coasters, and, and, you know, we're not really seeing planes blow up, and the car accident in the second movie. Like, they all felt visceral, though, whereas the fucking the NASCAR sequence really just felt like CGI. Like, the whole entire oh, yeah, thing. It, it might was. as well have been a fucking cartoon. Well, uh, yeah, and then part five with the bridge collapse, which is even worse. Or they're just like, well, we're not that, even going to try anymore. It's just all CGI. <laughs> well, especially because they also decided with the fifth one that it was going to connect everything back to the first one. You know, so, which so was bizarre. With, it was weird. Which, without telling you throughout the whole movie that you were in 1999. A prequel. You're in 1999. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah then and they we'll throw that. I don't know. I mean, I just felt like it was just like, okay, they had to have a catch. They had to have a twist, and it was okay, but it was just like, ah, really? We're doing the prequel thing? All right, fine. I mean, I don't know. Those movies are just, they're just fun movies to watch just to see creative deaths. That's it. The, the, the story is secondary. You just want to see oh, yeah. somebody take a tire to the face. You know, I mean, Hot like, oh, girls shit. Like, and you know? death, dude. That's yeah. all those movies well, are, oh. and I am perfectly okay with that. The Tanning Bed in Part 3. Set the love roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, roller coaster of love, baby. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That's and then, yeah, probably that's, my that's one that I go back for. to the most. You know, as far as the movies go, I go. I think we watched three more than than any of the others when it when it comes down to like putting them on. Um, it's just it's fun. You know what I mean? Whereas like the the first movie, being that it's the original, it kind of has that like darker com- comedic aspect to it. But it's definitely, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely and, the darkest. And, and out another of, point, out of all the another, <laughs> another point to that with the original one is that uh, you know you got you got to remember so many have come after it from with varying levels of quality. But like going all back to that time where also like like horror that was a little bit more like in the mainstream sphere was like kind of rare and, and not that good. Uh, and I'm not saying that mm-hmm. it's such a good movie, but that opening, that whole opening sequence in its time was quite shocking in its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it's got that going for it, too. And I know then the opening became, like, the thing. But, man, I remember the first time watching watching it, like, I think it was, like, maybe a VHS rental. Um, and watched, put it on, like, at night, like, going to bed. and was like, fuck, when that, that opening sequence, you know? <laughs> I'm never getting mm-hmm. a fucking plane again! <laughs> I was, was you on that plane? I'm never going to get behind a log truck ever again. You know, I've seen it like twice. Oh, dude, log truck. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel, I'm sorry, but you know what? I know know it's become a meme. I know people always want to fucking say what they want to say about it. But no lie, I'm on the road all the fucking time. And if I see one of those fucking trucks, I totally make sure to go out of my way to not be anywhere fucking near them. Yeah, no, completely the other way. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I but, shit you uh, not. It's like if there's one on the road, I will fucking speed my fucking ass off to get past that motherfucker and just <laughs> keep on going. <laughs> but yeah, and, and this actually say nothing happened. Um, mm-hmm. This actually happened uh, to me uh, back in. Um, let me see the date here. I'm going to share the post with you all in just a second. Uh, but this was back in June. Uh, this it legitimately happened to me, and I, I'm, I'm sharing it with you guys in the group right now. Uh, I had posted this on our on our Instagram. Uh, I just shared it just now. Um, mm. Yeah, I remember that. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. And nope. here's the uh, crazy, yeah, craziness. Um, yeah, but uh, not to, to interrupt, I do think we have a caller on the line, and I didn't, I didn't even bring up the oh, number. Oh yes. So. Uh, so let's yeah, see. Uh, let's so three two oh, three two three call? area code. Let's see if they're even still there. Uh, see, I don't even know it's still there. Uh, hmm. Three two three area code calling in, and I'm trying to get that. Oh, okay. Hello. You uh, got me. Go? You got me. You got me. My oh. name is Joe. I called in Hello, Joe. and went out of time. How are you guys doing? You did. Yes. Repeat call. Hey, yeah. Joe. Hey, guys. You know, you know what it seems like? It seems to me that you guys are almost on the verge of being man enough to talk about how at least one time in your life you've been scared by a movie. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. There's been many times in my life that I've been scared by a movie. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Because I'm glad because it happened to me twice. I wasn't a man yet. I was a teenager. And I remember I remember the movies. And um, I'm, since you guys are great aficionados of horror films, I'm sure you remember The Curse of Frankenstein. I do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, a friend of the family took me to see it. And we're in the dark. It's in the movie theater now, okay? He has to have the experience with the movie. So now comes a time when the monster is about to reveal the face, and they rip off the bandages from the face of the monster. When they did that, mm-hmm. I crawled under my seat because it was a blue eye. If I remember, it was a green eye and a brown <laughs> eye, a blue eye and a brown mm-hmm. eye, and he was all scarred right. up and everything. And I just ran. You know, I was about, I don't know, Nine, ten, I don't know. I forget. But it was it was scary. But another time I was home, right? Nobody else was home. So I darkened the lights. I, tore, I turned off all the lights. And I'm watching The Bride of Frankenstein. So I'm mm. sitting back and I'm watching. It's on TV. Small TV. And right. as the movie continues, and I'm hearing little sounds, you know, a creaky house, sounds from outside and stuff. And I'm and I'm getting holy shit, oh god, fuck! And I you know and then I got scared, and I'm wondering to myself, what am I scared about? It's a fucking movie. I'm in my house, you know, and I'm I'm about I don't know thirteen, twelve, something like that. But it really scared me. I haven't been scared as a man, but can you guys recommend a movie that if I see it as a man, I will go, Jesus Christ, this can really happen. <laughs> Serbian what film. do you guys think? <laughs> there you go. Serbian film. <laughs> Serbian <pick>. film. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good one. I mean, are you looking to be, like, scared in the fear sense or, like, horrified in, like, the worldly sense? No, not horrified. I'm already horrified in real life enough with the vaccine <laughs> and the and politics. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking oh, sure, about, funny that. you know, yeah, talking about being scared, whereas, holy shit, you know, that, you know. Uh, fear. That would be fun. Yeah. You know, uh, like when, um, un- yeah, that's what I'd like. Un- unfortunately, man, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I think once you hit a certain age and you've seen enough movies, you're just never yeah. going to reach that chi- that childhood level of fear again. Um, I think real uh, life kind of hits you with enough shit to scare you <laughs> that you're never going to get there. I'm chasing that dragon all the time, my friend. I'm always hoping to see something that's going to scare me that way, but it just never happens. Uh, yeah, I remember the shit out of me like that when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, uh, you guys picked me up fairly quickly. 
you guys were talking about avoiding a particular truck. What was that about? Something about in a movie, a truck that you want to avoid? Oh, yeah. on the final Destination and just, uh, just Final Destination and the log truck scene and how to this day when we're driving on the highways, we will do you know, any expense to get past that log truck just because of that scene and everything that happened. And that's just how we are is, you know, anytime you see one of those on the highway, yeah, you definitely want to fucking avoid it. I guess that's close you mean to a log truck actually life. carrying logs? Did you say a log truck? Yes, like lumber. Uh, like lumber logs, oh, okay. Like, like big, uh, well, like I would avoid it, too, be. because you never know. who. You never know who wrapped up the logs in that. <laughs> you know? You don't. It was changed by yeah. now. Yeah. I've had a lot of jobs well, okay. with a lot of maniacs that are co-workers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm surprised a lot of trucks, not just trucks, but cars just don't break down as a result of the transmission falling out. Or uh, oh, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. But but to, well, I, I will admit yeah. to to this day I I will still jump into the bed just because of the fucking scene with uh, Cage and Pet Cemetery and the fucking Achilles oh, tendon yeah. scene where he gets his his, his <laughs> slice. It's like to this day it's like I still got to check under my bed just in fucking case. <laughs> you never know what's gonna be. <laughs> I didn't I didn't, I didn't <laughs> see Pet Cemetery, <laughs> so I don't know what. Oh, you gotta you know. check it out. Oh, oh, you know, yeah, you oh, yeah. the original. The original Pet Cemetery from the '80s would be the one to check out versus the remake yeah, from the absolutely. Years ago, for sure. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, that well might that's be all I want to, to say, guys. I just I don't want to interrupt right. the show well, too much. So, no, well, please, thank you, thank so you much, for Joe. calling in. Sure. Take care now. Call back anytime. <laughs> all right. Take care. All okay. right. Great night, man. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> you too. <clears throat> all right. So that was right. Joe. Thank you so much for calling in. He's a repeat caller. Hope he calls Thank in again. We'll have to come up with more horror recommendations for him. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, keep the party going. Continuing on, Dean, what else do you got? So getting back to Billy Blanks. No. Um, so, uh, <laughs> King, I have a I do want to – I saw this, and I had to share it because I know that uh, the King has been a big tire pumper for, for Candyman. And believe yes. it or not yeah. – uh, Candyman is currently on the short list for a possible Academy Award nomination uh, for Best Original Score. Uh, there Ooh, are right. there are 15 other possible titles that could get the nomination, uh, or could get like however many how many however many scores get chosen uh, to be nominated, uh, but. Candyman is on the short list of 16 films that will possibly get nominated for Best Original Score. Oh, that's amazing. Well-deserved. That's a great score. Robert Inky score. So I don't, I don't know if it'll win, but if, that, if it does win, that's a huge win for horror. So I'll take that. You know, I'll take that yeah, as an Oscar. Sure. You Doesn't know, matter. I mean, come Still on. They can't, they can't give it. To, yeah, but you know what? I get it. It is. It is and it isn't. You know, like, come on. Give us yeah. screenplay. You know, how about uh, cinematography, you know, uh, something mm-hmm. something more to do with, like, the actual film itself or at least the, the message within it, you know? There, well, there's a hell of a lot more important shit going on in that movie than the score. Oh, okay, yeah. and maybe there is, Ghoul, but I, I ha- and, and again, I have not seen the Candyman film, so I will say that up front, but all things being fair and equal, like... Is anything else in the film, and I did not see it, like Academy Award worthy? No. I think so. No. Yeah. I think so. 
But there's plenty of movies that have gotten nominated that have no fucking value whatsoever, and it still fucking got a nomination. Sometimes they even get a win. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's true. But, yeah, this Candyman, I I don't know. I would say yes. I know the ghoul says no, but I think that that screenplay deserves at least a nomination. I think it has a lot to say without it just being a slasher. But you got to see it, Dean. You got to, you know, decide for yourself. And look, I'm not going to say that it will never happen, but it will probably never happen. No. Yeah, wow. horror is typically No, over. look, look, and, and I don't, and, and, and honestly, like, just, just, so, just so we're clear, um, yeah. there are, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a list of movies, like, a mile long that I, like, really, really, mm-hmm. really want to see really badly that I never get to. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's nothing against the Candyman film, but, like, if I'm going to yeah. actually find, like, carve out time to watch a movie, like, that's, that's way down the list. Yeah, and, and horror has always been... Oh, you're just fucking fancy. It's okay. We're just going to pick the movie, and then you're going to have to watch it. Okay, well, look, if you pick the movie, then I'm going to watch it. Like, if you want to pick it, go right ahead. I'll be happy to watch anything for the show. Um, you know, yeah, I uh, I, so if you pick the Candyman film, like, game on. Like, I'm not going to not watch it and be like, oh, I didn't watch the Candyman. I'm not coming on this episode. No, uh, like, I'm totally going to watch it. No, no, clearly get that, you know, and, 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 you know, hopefully you enjoy it, but uh, who knows, but yeah, horror has always been some of the Oscars, so it's not a big deal. I mean, if, if you want to get into the Oscars, you got to call it a thriller. I mean, Silence of the Lambs yeah. is a horror film, but they're like, ah, it's a thriller. It's got Anthony Hopkins in it and Jodie Foster, so let's just call it a thriller. I was like, no, guy's fucking skinning fat chicks and dancing with his dick up between his legs. I mean, I don't know. What are you talking about? It's a thriller. <laughs> Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Fuck me. But no, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. With that. But all right, Dean, what's next? So the Sundance, very famous Sundance Film Festival, has uh, made the decision that they are not going to be holding in-person screenings this year uh, due to the oh. the rapid rise of the latest variant in the pandemic that continues to sweep the nation and the world. COVID part uh, two. But uh, apparently. All of the the film entries have been fine with this decision, except for one. Uh, one film has decided to pull out and not have their film displayed. And the reason that I like I normally wouldn't care about anything like this, but what caught my attention was yeah. uh, this film is something uh, that is called Final Cut, and it is a yes, French remake, it. and not because it's French, not because it's French, no. but it's a French <laughs> remake of what is apparently a very a very highly acclaimed uh, uh, Japanese zombie uh, comedy uh, called One One Cut Cut of of the Dead. And apparently, One Cut of the Dead in Japan was made for a mere $25,000 and to date has made like around $30 million. Uh, So uh, it's on my list to look up this One Cut of the Dead uh because mm-hmm. you know that sounds like something i would like to watch and uh you know if something is made for such a small amount of money and then pulls uh like mega bank like um, um, it makes me curious to like check it out you know it's like it's like thinking back to the days when uh you know we're fledgling movie fans and we hear about this movie clerks that was made for you know twenty seven thousand dollars and we see what that has become yeah. you know so uh i'm curious to to, to to find this one cut of the dead and then and then if i like it uh see what the final cut is all about but uh, that, that's all. Uh, I wanted to share that because of that, that, that money disparity. 
Yeah, it should be on Shutter still. That's how I watched it last year. Um, oh, it, it was on Shutter. Right I'm glad, yeah. glad to know. I did not know. Thank you for saying that, King. I'm actually opening up yeah. my Shutter app right now so I can add it to my list. Um, yeah, but as I do there. that, it should be. But. Yeah, uh, as I do that, I want to say that over on Amazon Prime Streaming, it's been announced hmm. that their I Know What You Did Last Summer series has been canceled after one season. Uh, there is going to be no more of it. Oh, it came, it came yeah. out? Yeah. 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 A couple months ago. Yeah, the pretty WB, now, you know, remake came out, and yeah, it's yeah. already Well, the original, was, the, only... the original was a WB movie, too, though. Yes, yeah, it was. It was, totally it was a WB movie that went in the theater. Uh, did we yeah. not? Uh, and, re- and maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie, Ghoul. But did we not go and see? I know what you did summer. At what, I know what you did last summer at the Regal Cinema when it used to be there, and we brought in a bunch of like Mickey's uh, grenade bottles, and we were like standing up on the chair, <laughs> like making like 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 uh, puppets, like in the shadow puppets, in the from the projector. Did we do that? It could have been that. It could have, that could have been the sequel also. Um, I don't know that so, I saw the so sequel okay. in the theater, but I don't know if I saw the sequel in the theater, but it was like we were, we were in the theater, and then there was like maybe like, I don't know, like, like three chicks that were there somewhere up front, and that was it, and we were like just sitting in the and back I remember, drinking yes, and we went, acting like We went up to the top, and yeah, you were doing the shadow puppet thing. I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, just don't remember, I don't remember what movie it was, though. For some reason, it if you would have said to me, like, yeah, I mean, that's for some reason that's in my memory. Like, if you, like, texted me randomly and said, hey, uh, when we went to the movie theater and you made shadow puppets, I would have been like, oh, it's, I know what you did last summer. For some reason, that sticks in my head. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, so uh, one season is all. I have not seen anything of that, but I did see the trailer. Uh, but I also uh, want to note that apparently uh, the mystery was solved by the end of the season. So uh, maybe there's not need Shoot, for any goodness. more of it. Uh, but they did, <laughs> they did use the term uh, canceled, uh, you know, in regards to it, not just it's, it's only going to be one season because that's the story that we told. Uh, so, you know, there you have it with that. Uh, moving on, I want to say that uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, we all know that he used to work uh, at the Video Archives video store uh, and also mm-hmm. worked at the Video Archives uh, video store with a with a man named Roger Avery, who also went on to be a director of note, uh, directing titles uh, such as Rules of Attraction, which I never saw. But he also directed uh, what turned out to be, in the end, a pretty violent crime thriller with Eric Stoltz called Killing Zoe. Um, and oh, I've seen that one and like that one. Great, yeah. like, yeah. And yeah, uh, the, the word is, yeah, the word is that somewhere along the way, uh, Tarantino and Avery uh, had a falling out and were quite estranged. But whatever that was about, if that's the truth, that is over because they have announced uh, that they have a new podcast, and this podcast is going to be called Video Archives. Apparently, uh, Quentin Tino owns the entire movie catalog that was at video archives, like the store, like everything that was in the store, like he owns now. And uh, the theme of this podcast is uh, that for each episode, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery are going to be discussing uh, chosen films from the archives at length. So 
no no release date uh, for that, but just thought I would share that news as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. And uh, there's probably, and I say probably because nothing is certain in this business, uh, but probably there's going to be no more Matrix films. So nice guy. I have, oh. I have not seen... <laughs> I have not seen the, the new one yet, uh, but I was not aware until I read this article that the box office was quite lackluster and worldwide has only so far taken in $107 million on a $190 million budget. Now, obviously, they say that the HBO Max uh, surely has cut into uh, some revenue and still uh, like pandemic hangover, but... Uh, HBO Max is saying that it is one of the top five streamed movies ever on HBO Max. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the the box office just wasn't there. Uh, and as far as more Matrix movies, it was revealed that Keanu Reeves had only signed uh, a one-picture deal uh, to come back for that. Uh, there is rumors, just rumors, uh, that there's going to be a spin-off series on HBO Max uh, that covers the character from the latest Matrix called Bugs. Uh, but at this point in time, that is just a rumor. Hmm. Okay. Uh, listen. <laughs> I, mean, I watched it. It, you know, it. it wasn't terrible, but nor was it, it, it definitely wasn't groundbreaking like the original movie. It's just, it, it retells a lot of the same story, you know, with a couple different yeah. little, little changes here and there. Um, could it have been worse? Absolutely. Uh, but should it have been better? Yeah, I would have thought that with all of the, uh, the, the literal changes that have gone on in uh, Lana Wachowski's life, that you know, we would have seen a, a, a more interesting film. Even if it was still, you know what? They need to just get rid of the whole fucking idea of like they didn't need Neo, they didn't need Trinity, like all of that stuff. The meta stuff that they did within the movie was more interesting than than the actual uh, fictional portion of the film. Uh, but do I you would think? have preferred them to have. Do I think I try to sometimes? No, no, sometimes. no. I had a question, but then I realized I was cutting you off, so I stopped. No, you're good. What's the question? Do you think that they would even be able to drum up $107 million if there was no Neo and Trinity? If the... You know what? Again, being that Spider-Man literally had come out the week before and had been making fucking gangbusters, you know, hand over fist, uh, as far as money goes, I think if you set the movie in the same world and you were able to at least show trailers that gave you something to spark your imagination, to spark your interest a little bit. You know, like even watching the trailers for the new Matrix movie felt like, oh, okay, they're kind of rehashing the old Matrix stuff. I was going to see it in the theater. I had my ticket. I canceled the day of with about five minutes to go and just watched it on TV at home. Take the ticket. I, t- I took the blue <laughs> ticket instead of the red mm-hmm. ticket. <laughs> yeah, because when you watch it, man, it's like you're watching an episode of the matrix, but you're actually not really watching the matrix. And it's, they make it real clear that, you know, that you are pretty much watching a rehash and, you know, a reimagining instead of 
a fresh new dive into the Matrix, if you will. And they give us new characters, but at the same time, they're relying very, very heavily on the you know established mantra, if you will. You know, and they could have, like the ghoul had said, gone a new direction, gone somewhere else. They, they still could have kept the same story going on, but at the same time, they could have written a lot more fresh story. And Wachowski, she, like, like the ghoul had said, should have been able to rely on being a better storyteller. Because we know she is a hell of a storyteller. Oh, we know that they crafted a world. That we know. Um, you know, so, uh, again, I, I really had hoped a lot more for the film. But, you know, at the same time, too, I didn't hate what I saw. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're getting a $190 million budget without Keanu Reeves anyway, as far as like, oh, I don't think they need Neo, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I don't think you're wrong there, but you know what? At the same time, then let's, let's try to get back to the basics and not make a $190 million film. You know, we don't need $190 yeah. million to make that movie. We can make this movie using, you know, you, you built a sandbox film like the film is a huge world that is limitless in its imagination so it's sad mm-hmm. to see it so limited by its execution agreed alright alright Dean do you have any last things before we get into the movie because we are on time I didn't realize that we had an actual time schedule to the minute monkey but I do have some other things that I would like to touch base upon if yes you did <laughs> very quickly. Yep. Uh, so I know we talked about it in the group, but I'm just here to say with excitement uh, that The Boys Season 3 uh, is coming June 6th. We'll see the release of the first three episodes, and then the rest of the episodes will come weekly uh, through July 8th. So uh, finally, the time is at hand. Uh, this is going to be a summer of... Uh, series that we've been waiting for. I know that I have, both with Season 3 of The Boys and uh, Season 4 of Stranger Things, finally. Uh, But anyway, I'm looking forward to it very much. um, Very much. I remember specifically when you guys were like, oh man, you you really, really, really should check out The Boys. And I did, and I couldn't have been happier because I love it. So, uh, June 6th, The Boys. Season 3. And then, uh, finally... I was reading today, and this is not really like horror related, although there is much blood and gore uh, in what I want to talk about. Uh, The Michael Bay Company, with Patrick Hughes directing for uh, for Netflix, uh, is going to do a remake. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Is going to to do a remake of The Raid, Gareth Evans' The Raid. Uh, starring Eco Oase, not in the remake, who was in the original film. Uh, I, I, I just, I know everything is fresh uh, for a remake. That that they, nobody cares in the business about remaking anything, uh, no matter how, uh, you know, how old the movie is they're remaking, or uh, you know how recent a movie is being remade because the first Raid film came out only 10 years ago. Well, 11 now. It came out in 2011. Uh, but that Indonesian film is fucking badass. And I, I don't know Phenomenal. if you have all seen it. Uh, but fucking just crazy fucking awesome. And, uh, and extremely fucking violent with brilliantly shot fight scenes from start to finish. Uh, I just don't understand uh, like, to how you try to... 
to remake something such as that. Um, and I love all these films that Eco has been in. I know, Ghoul, I know you've seen some of them, and I know I was recommending them to you. And I don't remember which ones you watched of Night Comes, The Night Comes for Us, Headshot, or Triple Threat. But um, I know that I recommended it, that you were watching, and you were like, this shit's fucking balls to the wall crazy. But um, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me because it's like, an, it's like taking fighting and making it like the most ultra-violent art that you can make it. Um, I just don't see like how you can recreate what was what was made with this film. I don't know if you guys have seen it, so I might be speaking to the fucking to the fucking to the air. No, I've seen it. It's, it's good. It's solid, man. <clears throat> but anything else? Or are we calling it? Um and just those last three that I mentioned, if if, if you guys no, seriously, if you guys haven't seen The Night Comes for Us, Headshot or Triple Threat, That's and they're the all on Netflix. Which one? Triple Threat? No, the night comes for us. That's the, the night one comes that I for us. It's White Boy Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 uh, yes. That shit was fucking great. <laughs> you haven't seen those three, man. That shit. That is some fucking ultra fucking. It's like it's like the goriest fucking slashers, but it's fucking balls to the wall action. So I couldn't recommend them with more joy in my heart. But yes, monkey, <laughs> Boy, I Bobby. can feel you talking <laughs> in the fucking bed. That's that's it, monkey. That's what I have. Joy with joy in his balls. We sit there and now get <laughs> the floor. <laughs> we now get the floor to the king. We talk about this week's movie, Last Night in Soho. All right, brother, <laughs> break it down. Don't you mean the ghoul? I think you mean to pass it to the ghoul. It's his pick, not mine. Oh, you know, I yeah. fucking love this movie. Sorry, it's the ghoul. <laughs> Sorry, correct, ghoul. Yes. Uh, Can I help you? Let's talk about Last Night in Soho. <laughs> Give us a synopsis and what you thought. Oh, well, Last Night in Soho, you know, it's just this little film that came out directed by uh, by Edgar Wright. Um, it's about a chick. She lives in London, and weird shit happens, man. Like, weird, weird shit happens. Uh, listen, you know what? Last Night in Soho, okay? All jokes aside, a beautifully filmed, cinematic type of film. You know, something that I do wish I went to the fucking movie. Like, I hate when I watch a movie at home and I'm like, man, I should have went to the damn theater to see this movie. Um, you would have loved this it. film is, is, is beautifully filmed. The movie has plenty of flaws, but ultimately it is about a young lady who moves to London and starts to have visions or flashbacks of another life. Uh, and that is what unfolds before us in a bit of a, uh, a bit of a murder mystery. I'll, uh, uh, kind of like a, a bit of a giallo, if, if you will, you know, uh, yeah. I guess, yeah, I know your, your big argument was that, uh, malignant wasn't giallo enough. Um, I think Edgar Wright kind of, kind of turned into something that, that probably was more to your liking case. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it. All right, uh, Dean, what did you think about Last Night in Soho? Um, I really liked Last Night in Soho, and I do want to say that I, too, regret not seeing this in the theater. Now, admittedly so, uh, I, am not, I am not at the place where I am freely going uh, to the theater these days. Like, I, I had to go, and it was very important for me to see, to see Rad, as we've talked about, and... Obviously, it was important for me to get into the theater to, to see Halloween, uh, Halloween Kills. But, you know, the new variant, the new variant started to, to rear its ugly head. And uh, yeah. it wasn't necessarily that comfortable going to the theater to just see things that didn't like to see, you know, random things that I think look good. 
uh, that didn't have some kind of other meaning for me. Now, I kind of regret that decision because I would have really liked to see this film on the big screen. Uh, it was beautifully shot. Um, I loved the use of color. Uh, the soundtrack was exceptional. And uh, the story, um, I found the story to be engaging and suspenseful. Um, I will say that I did not uh, figure out, uh, you, know, you know, the big reveal. I did not figure out in advance. But, like, I didn't – we'll get into the details of what I did think and not think as we, as we go along. But, but I really liked it. And I really – I'm really glad that this was a pick for the show because I do feel – even though that I am a fan uh, of Edgar Wright, uh, I do feel that this might have been one of those that I've, like, wanted to see but, like, maybe never got around to actually check it out. So I'm glad this was a pick, and, uh, and I really liked it. Okay. All right, Monkey, what did you think about last night in Soho? All right, man. Uh, Ghoul, thanks for uh, picking this. I already had a copy of it downloaded, of course, um, and I just hadn't had a chance to get around to it. We watched it as a family, and this was my kid's first viewing of an Edgar Wright movie, and, you know, he, along with I, you know, was just really enjoying the shots that Edgar Wright was doing in this movie, enjoying the transitions of, you know, from color to color, and... It was really, really cool that my kid, while watching this, had picked up how, you know, when we have the transition of first going into London, you know, everything's bright and shiny. The cars are super, super wax, you know, and as the story progresses, you know, Wright is really, really intelligent and doles down the light, you know, throughout the flashbacks and less wax on the cars, you know, so that who can become more and more dirty. And I was like, all right, kid, good job. You know, <laughs> um, And w- as a family, we all enjoyed the movie. It was a really, really good time-traveling murder mystery with a fucking kick-ass soundtrack. And, it, like, we, we all just really, really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> King, we know you loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep it short because I want to get into it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I saw – I'm the one that saw this in the theater because – as soon as I heard that he was making this movie that was going to transplant back into the 60s in Soho, in London, you know, I knew this was going to be a movie I had to see on the big screen because I wanted to see all the set pieces uh, from the dancing to the exterior shots to the things that you picked up on, uh, Ghoul, with his filming style. Uh, I just needed, <clears throat> needed to see it in the theater. I just didn't realize how much I was going to fall in love with Thomas and Mackenzie. I just, there's something about her in this movie that I just I fell in love with. It's just the, the innocence of her character and discovering that there is an underbelly to London that you're not going to really like. And just, you know, just the way that she could look at the camera and just have those wide doe eyes and that very meek, mousy voice um, set opposite to Anya Taylor-Joy. And, yes, we could all agree the soundtrack is amazing. And I'm going to try to give as many calls to the soundtrack as I can as we talk about it because I think the, the songs – Edgar Wright, when he makes movies, songs are incredibly important to him when he makes uh, movies. Yeah. So for a lot of his picks uh, worked in this movie. The soundtrack is amazing, um, especially when you have a character who is obsessed uh, with the 60s. And then, of course, Matt Smith playing a teddy boy in this movie slash pimp. And what a turn for him to play such a, a villainous, lecherous character that starts off so smooth and, and just seemingly going to give uh, Sandy everything that she wants, but ultimately doesn't. Uh, it's just a great turn. And, and like the Dean said with the twist, I didn't figure it out. I honestly did not. I thought I had to figure it out. And then all of a sudden they went in a different direction. I was like, oh, okay, you got me. 
because I thought I was so clever thinking that I knew what was going to happen and it went the opposite way. Uh, and I was just, I was very happy. Um, so as we said, uh, Thomas and McKenzie plays Eloise Turner and she's a, just a fresh faced young girl who wants to go to London and she wants to go to the big university of fashion and going from the country to the city. It's such a big thing. And her grandmother is even telling her like, it, it, it's dangerous in London. It, your mother was there and you saw what happened. She's dead. You know, she died when Eloise was five, but Eloise is ready for the transition to go to London and to be something. She wants to be a fashion designer. She doesn't want to be Eloise Turner anymore. She wants to be Ellie. L-E-T, Ellie Turner, the talk of the town, you know, especially with her, her dress that she's wearing in the opening with set to uh, A World That Loves by Peter and Gordon in that newspaper dress. Like, it was so creative and clever yeah. as she's dancing around her, her 60s-inspired room, you know, so you know that she has yeah. talent, you know, so you kind of want to mm-hmm. see what she does. So go ahead, Mikey. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, yeah, and then on top of that, you know, shout, shout out to the village of Cornwall, where my va- family's from, yeah. from England, so I was like, oh, Somebody look at that shit, Corn- Cornwall, <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a Cornish um, girl. <laughs> she is, and it's great to, to see the, the country versus the city uh, segments with Jocasta, who is from North London, John, the potential right. love interest later in the movie, he's from South London, so she's the one coming from Cornwall, the, the country. You know, they don't have all the, the neon lights like uh, London does. Uh, so when Ellie goes off to London, you're hearing Don't Throw Your Love Away by The Searchers, which is a, one of my favorite songs. Um, and, but immediately when she gets to London, she's confronted by a sleazy taxi driver that's remarking about how she should be a model and she has great legs. So immediately she's like, okay, all right. So this is London and has to escape into a store and just wait for the taxi driver to go away. So already her guard is a little bit up uh, when she meets John trying to get her bags into the college. You know, no thank you. I don't really need help. I just want to get into this college, make my dreams come true. But unfortunately, she has a bitch of a roommate in Jocasta, who is just very oh. much about labels, very much about competition. Like, oh, your mom died? My mom died when I was 15. Fuck leukemia, right? Yeah, I was five and my mom killed herself. Well, it's not a competition, darling. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, but you're making everything. Go. Just, I, I just, I love uh, it. You know, with, you know. Oh. It, it was just terrible, yeah, I, and I like how the fridge and everything marked Jocasta. But yeah, go ahead, Cool. Well, no, I was gonna say I, I really enjoyed Edgar Wright's take on. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe maybe some people would call this kind of stuff, you know, woke or, or, or whatever terminology they use these days. But like you said, the lecherous cab driver, the mean girl, yeah. you know, all of these yeah. things are, are are problems within our our society that women deal with on an everyday basis. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, I love how this was all incorporated, like, beautifully into the story. Everything felt very, like, just natural and, and real as opposed to being forced into the dialogue or being forced as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, Jocasta, from the moment you meet her, you don't like her. You know, the actress nails no. it, the, yep. the, the behavior, the way she speaks, the way she's acting – Everything she's doing is like everything that would possibly annoy you about another human being, especially if that human being is going to be your roommate. Um, you know, but, but, yeah, I love how he's painting all of this, you know. And as her, her grandmother had warned her earlier, you know, this, the city is not such a, such a wonderful place, and it could, be, it could be bad for somebody like her. Immediately, you're seeing all of those negative things thrown at her so like every nightmare that could possibly have been is what she's getting from the start so her doubts right at the very beginning are, uh, are quite interesting they are and and at the the night progresses 
she does go out with Jocasta and the other girls, but they're they're very mean. She just kind of wants to get away. And when she goes outside of the Toucan Club, the Toucan Pub rather, she sees an old man leaving a Triple X Club, and that's Terrence Motherfucking Stamp. And just right from the start, his presence. Yeah, kneel before Zod, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know what it's all about. You don't know what this old man is. You don't know what he's about. But judging from everything that she's been through so far, just get the fuck away from this guy. Like this, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna go home and just go back to my dorm room and just kind of relax. But of course she can't because Shakasta brings the guy home to fuck. So she has to go out into an even bigger party held at the the college where she meets again with John, the guy from the beginning, who is drinking her Coca-Cola, even though it's clearly marked. So it's like, fuck it, you just keep it, and just leaves. And I, It's like all at once she's having all these fucking experiences that are just not very good. Like It's not the London experience that she wants. But luckily, there is an apartment for rent that's being rented out by Miss Collins, played by the late Diana Riggs, who everything from Game of Thrones to, to James Bond to the Avengers. I mean, Diana Rigg uh, was a fantastic British actress. Uh, and this is her final role, and she was great in this one too, because she just doesn't no nonsense, no men after eight o'clock, no smoking, and you have to get used to all the fucking garlic because of the French bistro next door. Don't forget any of the garlic. Like, you know. So right away, uh, this this is going to be her home. So the phone is retro and only makes emergency calls. That's going to be important for later on in the movie. But just of course, right away, Miss Collins wants that two months rent up front back two months rent instead of deposit because in case you decide to leave in the middle of the night. So where is she going to get all this because, money? Yeah, because apparently she's, because she's apparently had a history of women running out on her in the middle of the night in this mm-hmm. apartment. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the but the apartment is also completely decorated, completely retro, you know, with the yeah. retro phone. Like, everything is retro. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's a bit dated, you know. And, she, of course, because of her, you know, how much she loves the 60s, she's absolutely in love with this flat. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just, just making comments and shit. But, yeah, she she really does love it. You know, and, and it's at this point where with the way everything's being staged and built – you know, it's almost all too perfect and too dreamlike. So for me, at this point of the movie, I'm wondering, you know, like, are we in a, are we in something here? Because we we know her mother had mental illness and, and killed yeah, herself. Yeah. Like, maybe this is is this some kind of like uh, delusional thing? Like, what what is going on here? And I think Edgar Wright plays with all of that, and I think uh, he does so purposefully to kind of to kind of mess with you. Yeah. Right? you know, because it's just it's too. Convenient, you know what I mean? Here you got a girl yeah. who's like in yep. love with this stuff, and what is she, she literally finds out of nowhere an apartment that is decorated as such. It's it, you couldn't have built something better for her. No, it, it was just it was perfect. It's not the dorms; it's everything Good she wanted. Uh, and that night, when she goes to bed because she has a record player, so she puts on "You're My World" by Celia Black, who we will meet in this movie. Uh, I just I love the shot of her pulling the sheet up over herself. And just have that pull-away effect of the camera to show you that oh, there's yeah. going to be something happening. And when she gets up, cool all of a sudden sequence. she's in it. Right? <laughs> it, just, it was beautifully shot. It was all of a sudden she's in this alleyway. And walking out of the alley, the first thing you see on the marquee is Thunderball. And everything is 60s. All the cars, all the people on the streets. Uh, and we see that she's standing in front of the Cathy du Paris, uh, where she decides to go in. And her jacket is taken. But that's what we see in the mirror that there is somebody on the other side of that mirror, and that is Sandy in this beautiful pink dress. 
you know, tapping the mirror, looking good. Uh, and we see right away that Sandy is the complete opposite of Ellie. She is by herself. She's single. She's confident. She knows what she wants. She wants to be the headlining act at the Cafe du Paris, and she doesn't need a man to be on her side to make this happen. You know, it's the complete opposite of what Ellie is. Ellie's very quiet, very reserved, and isn't going to speak up for herself. Uh, even the, the pervy old men that are in the bar that are leering at her, she's like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm going to the bar, I'll get a Vespa, you know, and, and just <laughs> ignoring everybody in the way. When she gets to the, the bartender's uh, sequence, that's when she orders her drink and just decides, I need to talk to the manager right away because I'm going to be the headlining act and I'm going to blow everybody away. Do you have any experience? No, I don't need any. Like, my, my, I, just, I would be good. Like, I would be that. And he's like, well, why don't you yeah. go ahead and talk to Jack? And that's when we get introduced to Matt Smith as the pompadour teddy boy Jack. You know, he's talking to Celia Black after her performance, and he's the manager you want to talk to. He can hook you up with whatever you need. And all the while, Ellie is standing there watching all this, and it's just a beautifully shot sequence of her walking down the stairs, seeing her in the mirror yeah. walking down with Sandy. I, I love that shot, just that tracking shot to see how they did it. Um, and, of course, Jack orders Sandy a Vesper, uh, which is Gordon's gin, vodka, and Kina Willette, which is not available anymore. You can't find it. So good luck if you want a Vesper drink. You can just do the gin and vodka. But, uh, well, it's so a James Bond Jack, drink. <laughs> it is. It's from Casino Royale. So uh, yes. Jack is, is kind of enamored at first by Sandy, kind of seeing how beautiful she is, how sexy she is. So he decides, you know what, uh, let me just get a demo of your dancing skills and let's see what you can do. So they decide to dance to Wade in the Water by the Grand Bond organization. And another one of my favorite sequences because of how they filmed it, where you have Ellie yeah. dancing with Jack one moment, then they spin around and he's dancing with Sandy, and they're constantly going underneath each other on the behind-the-scenes footage to get it just right. But it's just a beautifully shot sequence where it's hard to tell where they blended it in because one second it's Ellie, one second it's Sandy. It's, oh, it's yeah, a ma- mad choreography. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting you know, enough, a, too, it, originally, Anya T- Taylor-Joy was picked to be uh, uh, Ellie. Um, that is yes, how yes. Edgar Wright originally had seen it, but, uh, but then after, after, I guess, working a little bit with her, they, they decided that, uh, that she'd fit better as, uh, as Sandy instead. And I think it was a great choice. Yeah, absolutely, because she, she really did carry herself as Sandy. You know, she definitely found herself in this character. Whereas Thomas and Mackenzie found herself in the Ellie character quite well. Um, but that perfect yeah. man that was sitting on Sandy at the beginning, you know, just calls her a whore. And that's when Jack decides to beat the fuck out of him. And they run up to the top of the club into a phone booth where they decide to make out before dipping out completely. And Jack, driving her home, says, you know what? Uh, I will help you. I have a perfect place. It's not the Cafe du Paris, but I have a job that I think you'll be perfect for. And this is just set to Celia Black's Anyone Who Has a Heart Plays. Um, so that's another great Celia Black song. She plays a lot in this movie, so I think Edward Wright had a hard on for Celia Black. And can't blame him because she's great. Just said there wasn't any Celia Black albums. Um, yeah, me, meanwhile, so when, I had a hard yeah. on for that Triumph TR5 that Matt Smith was driving. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> special yep. Yep. Special, special yeah. edition hard top. <laughs> Where you, no, that's a special <laughs> edition. That's a special edition TR5 with all the extra badges and shit like that that's on the front. It's a very, very rare TR5. <laughs> mm. Well, this immediately, uh, when Ellie wakes up, this is immediate inspiration. She doesn't know what happened. You know, was it a dream? Was it actually there? But it's immediate inspiration for her at the school to now be able to draw this dress that Sandy was wearing and design it. And everybody's like, oh, that's so retro. That's so chic. I like it. You know, very sixth inspired. So... She's gaining kind of, of motivation and kind of confidence, you know, in her skills. 
And when she leaves the school, she's listening to I've Got My Mind Set on You by James Ray from 63. It's obviously a, a George Harrison did a cover of it back in the 80s, as you know. But this is the original, and I prefer yeah. the original. I think James Ray's version is better. Um, but she meets John again and asks her if she has any plans and if you want to do anything, maybe. And No, she has to go to bed. She's going back to the 60s. Don't attack. Yep. So, John, you know, I, I will see you around. I have to go back and, and see what Jack and Sandy are up to. And, of course, Jack and Sandy are going to the Rialto, where she has an audition for the manager of the Rialto, um, where she sings Downtown by Petula Clark, which I know the monkey does, because you had to listen to it so many times. <laughs> downtown, everything. Uh-huh. You know, I know. But, uh, I, I, mean, I, 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 I dug the rest of the soundtrack. It's just that particular song just kind of fucking gets to me, you know, especially since after short, you know, Short Circuit 2, I just never want to fucking hear that song ever again. But still, you know, yeah, you know, um, I, I know Wright was like, you know, t- totally enamored with the song and, you know, he wanted to make that the key song for this film. Yeah. And, and she, and, and Anya Taylor-Joy does uh, sing a cover of it, which is, is a beautiful rendition that they play for the trailers. Um, but, after the audition, the manager is just like, oh, so you can sing. And, but then that's it. So obviously she's got the job. Jack made it happen. But it's interesting because when they leave, uh, this is the moment where Sandy's just so fucking excited that it worked and she's going to get this job and thanks to Jack. And you know, I can't fucking believe it. But you didn't really look at the whole side of the building where it's not just a Rialto no. review. And reviews yep. are burlesque. So in her all mm-hmm. excitement, she doesn't really quite realize that you know, this isn't just, oh, I'll just get on stage and sing. It's like, you yeah, might have to do a little bit more. Um, but so yeah. in the meantime, we wake up with Ellie, and she decided she's going to dye her hair blonde, just like Sandy, because she's found inspiration in her and just living her story every night when she goes to bed. Uh, she decides to go try on a coat that Sandy was wearing, which is a very chic 60s-style raincoat, uh, but discovers that it's 375 pounds, which, whoop. And she also notices that Um, there's an R above the building next door, which is the old Rialto building. Yes. But then also it's like as things have progressed, it's like she is knocking things, you know, setting things to the side and whatnot. And um, it almost becomes an addiction of waiting for sleep to come so that she can then continue the story of Sandy. Mm-hmm. Yes, which, so. you know, at this point, like, where, where my train of thought is going is, like, is this going to be a story in which this girl is going to lose everything in her desire to live another person's life? Um, yes, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, because that, that's where they seem to be going with it. And, again, I mean, I think it's just Edgar Wright, you know, working with all these – like, you know, being that, that he's done so much – as far as always kind of like no movie, even things like Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that, nothing is ever a straightforward film with him. Shaun of the Dead, you know, plays a very fine line of comedy and horror, you know. Hot Fuzz, you know, does does weird things with comedy and and a little bit of action, and he never Mm -hmm. ever puts himself into into one place with his movies, and I think you see him doing that with this film. He kind of is, the mystery isn't just built up in the actual storyline of the film itself, it's built up in what your expectations are, and that 
that I actually found to be a lot of fun because as I kept sitting here thinking, you know, oh, is it going to go this way? Is it going to do that? Every single time he completely subverted my expectation. And, yeah, just, and again, and it's also because he's playing straight horror in this one. You know, there is no comic relief to be found in Last Night in Soho. Unlike Hot Fuzz and At World's End and Shaun of the Dead, where you do get a lot of comedy, this one's played more straight, uh, just to the horror aspect, to the thriller aspect, to the mystery. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, what's going on. It was him playing against type, and I was digging it. Um, so, so to pay for everything, <clears throat> she decides, uh, uh, Ellie decides to get a job as a two-camp pop. And she talks to the bartender, who was played by Margaret Nolan. Uh, you guys might not know her very well. She died in 2020. But she was in Goldfinger. She was in A Hard Day's Night. She was in a lot of the Carry On films that were happening in London back in 73. Most famously, Carry On Girls, where she was in a silver bikini fighting Barbara Windsor. Uh, which, if you get to check out any of the Carry On films, they're, they're just hilarious. They're amazing. You know, it was, it was just British kind of sketch movies, and there's about 30 of them. And she was in six. So definitely, if you like British comedy and you want to see something different, definitely check out the Carry On uh, series. Uh, but she decides at the bar she's going to order a Vesper, which is like, yeah, we don't have that anymore. So what else can I get you aside from a job? You know, but outside of the pub, we see the old man again from the Triple X Club. And he confronts her because she looks familiar to him now because she has that blonde hair. You know, maybe it's somebody from his past that he's remembering. But Ellie, being freaked out, decides to run back to her apartment. And even Miss Collins doesn't recognize her because of her blonde hair and thinks she's a stranger. But it doesn't really matter because Ellie's just – needs to go back to the 60s again. So that night, when she goes to sleep, she returns back to the 60s. But this time, we get to see the Rialto for what it is, which is a gentleman's club. Oh, man. Where we have Sandy dancing uh, around to a song called Puppet on a String by Sandy Shaw, and it's sang by Marionetta. And it's just a very kind of cheeky, very just kind of a sexualized uh, performance. And this isn't what Ellie wants Sandy to be doing. You know, so she's kind of devastated herself and just walking away from the performance. Seeing Jack talking to the old man that he had punched earlier at the Cafe du Paris. So obviously they're friends, you know, and it was all an act. I mean, that's just the way I took it. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Jack yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was a con. Mm-hmm. And then well, later, even if it wasn't, you know, we get to, even yeah. if it wasn't necessarily a con, it could have, you know, maybe the the anger was was real, but it was just more about the fact that he might have been blowing Jack's cover right there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously yeah. calling calling her a whore at that point, and I mean, obviously Jack is a fucking pimp, you know, for for lack yeah. of any yeah. better word for it. And we get to see how angry he gets very it's easily with Sandy when she does. It's it. Yeah. So. He doesn't, uh, she doesn't want to do what he wants of to do, course. and he gets very angry about it. Like, you wanted this. Like, you, you do realize that if you want to get famous, you're going to have to fuck a lot. Like, that's the only way that you're going to be able to get famous, and that's the only way I'm going to be able to make mm. it happen. So he introduces her to Mr. Pointer and says, uh, you know, Mr. Pointer talking to Sandy, saying, well, why don't you come along with me? No, I'm with Jack. Uh, you know what? Uh, actually, I don't have a problem with you going with him, Sandy. So, you yeah, know, go on. Go on. Be a good girl, then. Like, you know, go on with him. You know, mm. so, you know again, devastating to find out that, you know, that her dreams are being shattered, you know, by, by Jack. She's not going to be yeah. as famous as she thought she was going to be. And then going through the club, you see a bunch of girls doing drugs. You see them fucking and sucking a bunch of old guys off. And it's just, yeah. Ellie's just completely just fucking yeah. devastated that this is just what's going yeah. on. And when she returns to her room, Sandy's in her bed sleeping. And there's money on the nightstand. So, of course, we know what happened. She yeah. fucked Mr. Pointer. And that's when who comes in with yeah. the tidy whities on. 
I know you're not asleep, yeah. but, like, you know, it's like, no, she <laughs> isn't. You go on. I don't want to see what you're going to no, do. But, <laughs> well, we're seeing everything through, through Ellie's perception. You know, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say everything proceeding to this, you know, as, as she, like, you know, just like, you know, Ellie, when she's discovering London, you know, for what it really is, we're having Sandy's moment of realizing things aren't as what they were, and we have this, you know, spinning montage of scenes going around all over the place, you know, a dizzying effect, if you will, you know, of Sandy finally realizing the situation that she is in. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, thought that, it, whole, it, that whole thing was just shot really well. It was. It was shot very well, and just it shows you that the younger of everything is happening. And, of course, this has an effect on Ellie, of course, because she realizes what's happening to Sandy in the 60s. So she wants to rip up, you know, the drawings that she's doing and the sketches and just has a, 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 just a point break, you know, with whatever is happening. When she leaves the school and leaving the pub, she finds the old man again who calls her by her name, Eloise. And he makes it a point to know all the girls and all their problems, and he hands her the crumpled-up drawing of Sandy's dress. So that leads to one of the employees saying, oh, that's just handsy. Like, is he bothering you again? And what, what's up with Hansy? And, well, the old man's like an octopus. He was a real ladies' man back in the 60s, but, you know, he's just an old man now, just a really weird person. And this leads to a conversation between the bartender <laughs> and Ellie where she asks if she believes in ghosts. And I kind of like what she says, and that the, the pub is haunted by good times. Every gangster, every copper, every red-faced drunk is soaked into the walls and the floors. So, of course, but it's just good times. You know, no ghosts, you know, no, no spooky stuff. Like, you know, it's all just good times and good memories. And that's how she likes to remember it. And, oh, by the way, you can't stay here. Go the fuck home. And she can't stay um, And, again, we're going back to the 60s again because Ellie, once again, is at night grabbed by Jack as her record player starts to play on its own, which is Land of a Thousand Dances by the Walker Brothers. Uh, and this is where we see Jack forcing Sandy to dance and also a montage of a series of fucking disgusting guys, all old, some young, but all asking the same question. What's your name? And each time she's coming hey. up with something different. Oh, it's Andy. It's uh, Alexi. It's, it's Sandra. And you're like, oh, that's a pretty a lovely name. name. And, well, what a lovely know, name. <laughs> and just her kind of laughing about it at certain points, she's just, it was just great. Because she realized how fucked up this is. Like, you know, they don't really give a shit what her name is. They don't care anything about her. They just want to fuck her. So she's <laughs> just laughing about it. And just all these guys coming up to her, including one that introduces himself and, and wants to know her real name. You know, he knows that she's lying about her name, and when she tells him, you know, he tells her, you're just too good for all this stuff, and get out of here while you still can. You know, and she kind of laughs it off, like she's kind of stuck in the situation. There is just no way out. And that's when Ellie decides mm-hmm. to get involved by banging on the mirror and pulling her through the mirror, which I thought was a great effect. Because Ellie just yeah, had well, enough and wants to save her. Yeah, because this one guy says, you know, take a look at yourself in the mirror. You are, you can get out. You know, you are good enough to get out. You know, and she's like, I don't know if I can look at myself in the mirror anymore. You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when we have our girl banging on the, the mirror, you know, just yeah. trying to sit there and save her. And then you also you know, see I, uh, when she went out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, cool. Just to go back to the whole small talk scene and everything, you know, there there are few things in this world as uncomfortable as trying to make small talk with a uh, with a a woman of the night uh, as as they they could be known. You know, please tell us some experiences. uh, 
Oh, I can tell you fucking experiences, believe me. I have certainly been that guy plenty of times of, uh, you know, what's your name? Oh, that's a pretty name. You know, there's the ones that sometimes yeah. you sweet talk them. And then there's you the ones that it's just like, I, I don't know if I ever really went that far with it. I mean, it's, you know, I probably did at some point or another, man. You know, there, there's been some hot ones. There's been some really fucking disgusting ones. Um, the talkative ones are the ones that were almost problematic. I remember one particular time in, uh, I was in Point Pleasant. And, well, that's where, where she, how, she was how, located. How oddly appropriate. <laughs> yeah. She, okay, this woman had more fucking animals in her house than I had ever seen. I mean, she had fucking snakes, birds, rodents, you name it, they were fucking there. Dogs, cats, and they... It wasn't obviously they weren't part of the, the the act, but there was no way to fucking escape them I was gonna or say. the smell within the household at the time. So it was one of those oh, like, dude. uncomfortable ones of like she wanted to like sit there and talk about all this shit and like play this like get to know you thing, and it's like man, just get your fucking clothes off because I'm gonna put my dick in you and try to get this shit done as fucking fast as humanly possible. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember one time it was actually a, a customer uh, of ours who uh, wasn't, wasn't a, a lady of the night, but she was quite a talker uh, during her uh, her oral skills, as in like, you know, mouth on it for ah. two seconds and then wanted to have fucking conversation for like five minutes and then mouth on it for two oh. seconds and then conversation. <laughs> like, it, it don't work that way. You need to stop, you know? Uh but, but, yeah, you get to a point with them, and as a John, you know, because, you know, listen, admittedly so, I've been the John plenty of times. More often than not, you want them just to take your fucking clothes off. Let's just get it done. It's a fucking business thing. I, I know these days these girls, after seeing these movies, they all want to go for that whole girlfriend experience and all that bullshit. Um, but but it's just it's not realism. It's not at all, you know, like th- those kind of girls, you're not getting at a club like, you know, like a fucking, like the review, uh, that kind of shit. You know what I mean? That you're going to be well, paying for a fucking, you know, you're paying for an event with a girl like that. If you actually want that whole, well, especially the GFB, when they charge them by the hour, you don't want it. that fucking talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, that's the thing, you know, so for these guys that want the girlfriend experience, you know, most of these, these, these ladies of the night these days... You know, I, mean, I know what the prices were back when, when I was partaking in it. So my guess is they probably quadrupled at this point. So you're probably looking somewhere from like, Just like five. 250, 250 to 300 an hour. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't want conversation. You better be damn fucking hot. You better take your clothes off. Let's go. You know, the idea is that you're a sure thing, you know, kind of like Vivian says in fucking Pretty Woman, you know. <laughs> okay, so uh, Agree <laughs> Moving on Ellie is now seeing ghosts of John's everywhere she goes uh, Taking off their belts, appearing to her So she's just losing her mind in a lot of ways With all these ghosts constantly following her John decides to invite her to a Halloween party That the fashion school is having When they arrive, R.D. Taylor is There's a ghost in my house, starts playing Their costumes are ghosts <laughs> so Of course, this is perfect for Ellie 
who is white face with black, you know, eyes, and the same thing with John, white face, black eyes. They decide to get drinks from Jocasta, who they both drink, and start dancing to Happy House by Susie and the Banshees, fucking an amazing song. One of the best Susie songs. Uh, yeah, One of the so things I, I want to say, say from that scene, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they wanted it to be so very obvious, but, like, when Jocasta came over with the drinks, um, you know, I thought they just made it so very obvious that she was giving them dose drinks. Um, yeah. I think that just my own little preference would have preferred for that to be like a slow reveal as the deterioration started. Mm-hmm. But like right off the bat, yeah, I was I mean, like, oh, yeah. she's giving them spike drinks. Well, and later yeah, on, she's also, to the police, she even says that she might have been drugged. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but also this is, again, showing the naivety of our girl who, again, yeah. again coming from Cornwall, going to London, you know, and this is happening because as she's passing the dr- drinks, you know, while we're watching this as a family, you know, uh, the diva, you know, goes, oh, by the way, Ian, never, ever fucking take a drink from a stranger in a fucking club. No. Never, yeah, ever, ever, ever. But Jocasta <laughs> isn't a stranger. This is her roommate. You know what I mean? So, yeah. They both go to school with this girl as well. So the last thing you're going to expect is for her to, to pull something of that, that nature. Hmm. Are you sure, um, though? Because, like, she discovered Jocasta being so shitty to her so very quickly. You know, like, yeah. Jocasta yeah, hasn't given herself to be an asshole. An asshole, yes, but somebody could be an asshole, but there's a big step between being an asshole and being somebody that's going to drug your drink and possibly put you in a in a life threatening situation. Chagasa's a bitch. I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, uh, during this time when they're dancing, she begins to see Jack and Sandy and also the ghosts of the men again. Uh, Ellie yeah. doesn't want to be alone as they run out of the club. So she's bringing John back to her apartment, even though it's past 8 o'clock and there's not supposed to be any men there. She just doesn't want to be alone. So while they're there, getting very hot and heavy and making out. Yeah. But <laughs> now they're making out and they're having fun in the bed until Ellie looks up and she starts to look at the mirror above the bed and she sees that Jack is straddling Sandy, has a knife in his hand, and he is going to fucking brutally stab her to death, which causes oh, yeah. Ellie to lose her fucking mind and scream, and because John can't see this, only she can, Miss Collins wakes up, bangs on the door, demanding to know what's happening, and as John tries to make his escape, he breaks the mirror and runs out into the night. So, of course, this is going to lead Miss Collins to have a very stern discussion with Ellie in the morning about not having fucking men over, you know, but, of course, we'll just, we'll give you, you know, just a pass on this, and that's when Ellie's asking her about women that have stayed there. Tons of girls come through here. Not all of them give a real name. Honey, this is London. Someone has died in every room and every building in the city, on the street, too. So you just need to move on. I don't know who you're talking about. Um, so uh, Ellie, of course, sees these ghosts real again. Also, real quick, too, yeah. though, also on the whole drug thing with Jocasta, you know what I just also thought about? We never actually get confirmation that she's drugged. John doesn't have any ill effect. So Ellie freaking out could just be Ellie freaking out due to the fact that she's seeing the ghosts. It might not have anything to do with, with anything Jocasta gave her. And Jocasta could have but, just dosed her. She could have gave John a clean drink. Okay, but on the flip side, they were both, you know, pretty, pretty randy with each other, you know, and overly excited when they were playing in the streets, dancing in the rain, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, you know, and, you know, the next morning she goes, hey, they're the two lovebirds. So I'm pretty, you know, so I think she probably dosed both their drinks. And it was both of them just being, you know, just pretty much hopped up on the X. 
Mm-hmm. It could be. Um, but after she discusses this with, with Ms. Collins, she goes to the school trying to concentrate on making this dress happen. But, of course, she sees Sandy in that pink dress covered in blood. All the distorted men are in the hallway now as she tries to make her escape from the school. And she's going to go to the first place she can think of, which is the police, and tell them about Sandy's murder back in the 60s by Jack. She doesn't know, you know, where he is. She doesn't know how you could find them. So, of course, we have the male officer who's like, okay, she's nuts. She's insane. Like, this is stupid. Like, we're not – you know how many murders happened in London, especially in the 60s? So this is just dumb. But, of course, you have the female officer saying, I kind of understand. I get it. And, you know, if there's anything we can do, we will do it. You know, but until then, just try to relax and, and go about your life. She's trying to tell them that Hansy might be Jack, which is a possibility at this point. It could be because he has been nothing but kind of creepy towards her uh, throughout this movie. But – I was totally sold that fucking yeah. he was Jack, man. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, Ellie decides to do her own investigation by going to the school library and checking out a bunch of different articles on murders that happened in the 60s. John comes along to help her, and when he sits down, what can I do to help? Well, you can look through all these boxes. The next year is 1966, and he looks into the box and goes, damn, all this in one year? Well, London's a bad place. Like, this is just, yeah. you know, not a good place to be. So they decide to go through all that. The grandmother calls Ellie. She ignores it. And a ghost touches her on the shoulder. She thinks this is John. It's not. So she says, fuck this, grabs a set of scissors, and she's going to take out this ghost with scissors. But instead, it's Jocasta who almost gets stabbed in the face. Right? So I fucking love it. God damn it. Look out. John running after her. Don't call the police, don't call the police, don't call the police, like, you know. But uh, she just gets pushed. She, walking through the streets that night, she thinks that she sees Sandy, who pushes her away and tells her to leave her alone, leaving Ellie alone in the streets. And she chases Jack to Toucan in modern day, uh, the ghost of Jack. But she transports herself back to the Toucan Club, where she meets with Hansy in the basement bar, where he's been waiting for her, playing Eloise by Barry Ryan and humming it along to her. And, of course, he asks for a pint of numbers, and Ellie's going to secretly record this conversation. So she's hoping that he'll confess to the murder of Sandy. Like, so just get him to the point where he's going to admit to it. And he keeps telling her, like, I'm not going to sit here and let you be questioned by Like, I don't want to be questioned anymore. I'm done. Like, I just came here for you. I wanted to talk to you. And he goes, by the way, Alex killed Sandy. So right there, oh, well, who the fuck is Alex? Okay, now there's a new character we didn't get introduced to before. And he tells her that oh, Sandy you know, might be an angel, but don't be fooled. Her name is, so, her name is Alexandra. I know, but at this point, you're not thinking that. Like, you know, it's because she said Sandy the entire time. So you're thinking, okay. So, you know, I mean, at least I wasn't thinking that. I was just like, okay. I don't remember Alex. I, I didn't think back that far, so good call. But anyway, uh, Hansy goes back outside where it's raining, and he tells Ellie that if you ever see Alex in whatever what the hell she's in, you can tell her I said hello. And he's immediately hit by a car and oh. taken out. And oh, it. man. Foreshadowed, yeah. Foreshadowed by her almost getting hit twice in the movie. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. And you discover that Hansy's actual name is Lindsay. He was an ex-cop, and he worked in Vice in Soho back in the 1960s. He's not Jack. Yes. Whoever this Jack is, he's and not. He's, and you come to find out, yeah. And, uh, they go the, back to that scene where, where they showed him talking to her uh, back in the club. And what I had wanted to say now that we've come to this part is that uh, you know, where, where I had said earlier in the show that I did not, you know, I had not figured out the mystery. You know, I was not on 
uh, you know, to, to her landlady at all uh, being in, involved uh, as she was. But, like, I just, no matter how they tried to, to frame it this way, uh, you know, it was so obvious that there was no way that Terrence Stamp was going to, like, be the murderer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, just, it was a great scene to have that reveal that it's not him. So, uh, talking yeah, to I, his grandmother I, on the phone. I the assumed grandma, that Terrence Stamp was Jack, but I figured that Jack did not. It wasn't. I, I figured what was going on was not what we were seeing. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I got to right. give it to the ghoul girl. She actually called Diana Rigg as being Sandy. She's like, I think the oh, old, she goes. She goes. I think the. Uh, she goes. I think the old lady is the girl. And I'm like, nah. But uh, sure as shit, that is what we get. No. Damn. Well, that's good. That's a good call. But yeah, I, I did not. I did not think that Terrence Stamp was Jack. I thought it was uh, too on the nose, and I expect more from from a story that is is telling than for him to be Jack. It was just. It was just too obvious. Yeah. No. And we also have Ellie going back to the apartment with John because John's going to drive her back. Like, you don't have to worry about your grandmother. I'll drive you back. So if she's not back in 15 minutes, John, go inside and check on her because something's wrong. So when she goes back, we see that Miss Collins is kind of a different person now because she's smoking again and she's listening to her old records from the 60s because she was inspired by Ellie. So she decides to do what every English woman does when you go over to their house, put on a pot of tea. You know, so we can Hell have a yeah. uh, cuppa, you know, and, and just drink. And, uh, oh, by the way, your mail arrived. So you check out the mail when she's going through the mail. Like we had said, we discover that Miss Collins is actually Alexandra Sandy. Info, uh, and that's info so dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, info dump. Because she, Miss Collins reveals that a female police officer from earlier came by to do a welfare check to explain what Ellie's doing. So apparently this female officer just explains fucking everything. This tells her everyone, well, oh, she's looking into this murder about this girl named Sandy and this guy named Jack. And she reveals to Ellie that she did die in that, that bedroom, just not physically. You know, she died emotionally. She died mentally in that room. And that Jack did try to kill her, but she got the upper hand and stabbed him over 100 times. And fucking vicious. I loved it. Seeing Matt Smith yeah. get fucking gutted <laughs> by Sandy, just bleeding the fuck out. You know, just being stabbed. Yeah, I had to watch by that Doctor knife. episode, Doctor Doctor Who episode starring that guy. I was thrilled to watch him get stabbed so brutally. <laughs> it was just such a great sequence. Yeah. He's finally getting what he deserves. You know, he's been telling her the entire time, "You're going to get what you deserve," and now he is. Geronimo. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then we go into a montage of you know she's not done there because now she's going to sit there and continue and get even with all of the Johns that have stood there and visitor over the years as well. You know, yeah, she's not done with just Matt Smith. Oh, no. No, and no way, shape, or form. Nope. She's going to sit there and have all the Johns come back, and she's there and gets rightful vengeance on these motherfuckers, and then proceeds to hide them in the walls, fucking Edgar Allan Poe style. Yeah, and in the floor. And genius. In the walls, in the closets. Mm -hmm. And genius, Mm -hmm. when Ellie is doing the newspaper clipping sequence, I noticed that they kept having sequences where you saw missing guy, you know, guy missing yeah. this and that. Yep. And yep. at no point, mm-hmm. like, because I was so busy trying, like, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's amazing that, like, look how many news reports there are of these missing guys, but there's not one fucking yeah. report about Sandy being gone. You nope. know, I was like, that's fucked up, you know? But then, like, it just to turn it on your head like that, it was like, no shit. It was literally, he literally put it right in your fucking face. Like, this is what's going on in this yep. movie. <laughs> and you completely mm-hmm. miss it. You, it. Like, it's 
so yep. obvious that it's like, yep, right there. Oh, no, you didn't see it, did you? No, no. And uh, so the tea has been poisoned by Miss Collins because she doesn't want Ellie telling anybody about this. So she's going to do her whole reveal of what happened, like the monkey had said. So deciding on 15 minutes later, that's when we have John coming to run to the rescue. But Ellie knows what's going to happen because Miss Collins has a knife. So she's trying to protect John. Doesn't quite work because John ends up getting stabbed pretty badly oh, by Miss Collins as he Ellie tries to struggle. Gutted. And in the meantime, <laughs> the ashtray has fallen into a stack of records, which causes a fire. So now you have a fire. John's stabbed. Ellie's poisoned. Things are getting fucked up. So Ellie manages to make <laughs> it back to her room. And as she falls onto the bed, she's grabbed by a bunch of hands coming out of the floors, coming out of the walls, coming out of the bed. And a man appears by the emergency phone, grabs a phone, and thrusts it towards her and says, help me. Save us from Alex. You have to kill her. you got to save us. So the, all these victims of Alex are coming and basically saying, you're the only one that can help us. You're the only one that can save us. So Alex, Miss Collins, Alex, tells them they all deserved it, and she didn't want any of it. She's not going to jail. So she immediately slashes her throat, which isn't a death blow, but it's enough that, you know, she's just going to decide to perish in this building. Like, I've been in this prison my entire life. I'm not going to another one. So if you want to save John and you want to save yourself, go ahead. So she sits down on the bed and dies as a fireman breaks down the door, saving Ellie and John from, from death, um, which is pretty amazing seeing her sit down on that bed and it transfers back to Sandy. And you see that that's her final fate is burning in this building. But now we're cutting to a fashion show yeah. because we're all having fun. Featuring Ellie's design. Wait, 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 wait. Backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. Super, 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 super fast. All right. Because when all the Johns go, save me, no. We have this moment where Ellie go, looks at them all and goes, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not going yeah. to save you. Because, you know, and I, lo- and, and I loved that moment of, no, you're all fucking assholes. You know, and we, you know, all of us watching it were like, no. You know, you're all bad people. You're all bad men. You don't deserve to be saved. And I loved no, that he threw that little bit in there. Okay. And then, yes, fashion show. Sorry. Because we have to go to the fashion show. And because we see Ellie has, again, dyed her hair back to the brunette that she was at the beginning of the movie. But she carries herself with a really kind of renewed sense of accomplishment and just confidence as she's walking down the runway with her models in her designs that are very much modeled after Sandy's dress. You know, I like that they included some men. You know, that we're wearing the dresses as well. Like, I thought that was a very modern, very chic thing to do. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's her kind of living her life and accomplishing what she wanted. And seeing all these people really impressed with her designs, including her grandmother and John, who are at the show. Um, and as Ellie's just spanking them and, and just being really happy with her accomplishments, she sees her mother in the mirror once again. And just kind of, you know, I did it. You know, my mom's proud of me, and I know that she would be. Uh, but when Ellie turns back around to the mirror once again, Sandy is standing <clears throat> in the mirror, smiling and waving at her. As we cue to the end credit song, Last Night in Soho, by Dave D. Dozy Deaky McIntosh, my favorite fucking song <laughs> in the soundtrack. I love Last Night in Soho song. It's such a 60s song, and it's the one that Tarantino told him he had to put in the movie and call this movie Last Night in Soho. So thanks to Tarantino, that's why we have the song, and that's why we're calling this movie Last Night in Soho because of Tarantino's influence. Yeah, good, and good, I, good, solid, good, good, solid film, man. Uh, again, I mean, yeah, uh, great, yeah. great mm-hmm. pickle. <laughs> it's a, it, a great pick, but the movie moved. I didn't really feel like there was a lot of lag. I mean, yeah, there, there are certain gripes that I did have, but it, watching it in the theater, I was like, it's over already? 
I'm like, oh, shit. I felt like I just sat down. Like, I felt like this movie just started. Um, and I do appreciate Edgar Wright doing something more in line of a Jalo, like the Gore said at the beginning with, with, with James Wan's Malignant. I felt like Wan was doing his own thing and calling it Jalo, whereas Edgar Wright was like, you know what? I fucking love Mario Bava. I love Dario Argento. And I love Alberto Lenzi, and I'm going to make a fucking inspired sequence. And he fucking nailed it when he nailed it, especially when you see uh, Ellie's reflection in the knife as it's being stabbed in the sandy. Yeah. Right? It, just, it was mm-hmm. such a great shot. You know, and it's like that, that's Jello inspired. Like, that's just, you know, him showing you what he can do Jello-wise. And, and also, like we had said, not playing it for less. You know, the, like the, the monkey and I joke, what if there's going to be a cameo by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost playing like gay lovers or something like that? You know, it's like just to kind of break it up. All of a sudden, they're playing cheeky people in the '60s. No, don't need it. This is not that movie. Well, no, you not get, necessary. This is a movie you, you get, gotta push it. You, no, you get Nick, but you do it. get Nick Frost for a second as one of the Johns. Oh, is that right? Oh, you did. I didn't know that was Nick Frost. Yeah, he, I just he was. Yeah, he was. One, he was one of the Johns that were in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was him. I didn't. If Simon oh, was okay. in the movie, I did not did not see where he was. But there was no again. There was well, no comedy there. You know, again, the movie no, the movie plays no. itself smart. The movie plays itself serious. It uh it, it tells a a very poignant tale for today by yeah. using the setting of yesterday, which is which is interesting. So yeah. kudos to Edgar Wright. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And as for next week. Uh, Dean, it is your film pick. So, what are we watching next week? Uh, it is it is my film pick, and I had something in mind, uh, but I'm going to bump that I think to a, a future edition uh, based on our conversation that we had earlier in the show. And uh, we are actually, and I know that you've seen it, gang, but uh, for everyone else, I know we're going to be heading over to Shutter, where we'll be able to check out the Japanese film One Cut of the Dead. Oh, it's still there. Good. Okay. okay. Yeah. This will be a revisit for Very me. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <clears throat> All right. One one cut of the dead uh, next week. So if you guys have Shudder, it's there. Monkey, you're going to find it. I know you will, so I'm not worried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I anyway, do what I do, baby. <laughs> I know. Looking forward to, to talking about it next week. And, and, Dean, we'll see you back here for your pick. Yes, you will. Thank you very much. And everyone have a pleasant evening and, and all of those things. All right. And, uh, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? All right, lads. All right, thanks for listening to another fun-filled, fright-filled episode of Talking Terror. And we will see you next week, children. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. And, Ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Oh, guys, make sure to to tip your your lovely ladies of the night well. Take care of them, and they'll take care of you. And besides oh, that, yeah. stay scared. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Sex work is work, no matter what anybody else will tell you. It is absolutely work, and I respect anybody that's in that industry. Yeah, whether it's online content or in-person content, God bless you. Make that money, ladies. Make them pay. Make them tip you. Uh, but as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. And... Thank you so much to our caller earlier, and I hope you do call again. And the number is up there if you guys listen, if you ever want to call us and feel like uh, giving us your two cents and what you think we should be doing, shouldn't be doing, or just anything in between. We would love to hear from you. As always, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, also on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find your lovely podcasts. But until next week, meet. We'll see you back here for One Cut of the Dead.
Mwahaha. <laughs>